High FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. This morning we're going to talk about uh, South Africa coming to prominence in the United States of America and in Congress, no less. And with me I have my colleague, Herman Pretorius, who recently released a issued a press release, rather, about the U.S. congressional hearing flagging South Africa's property rights as a threat to South African democracy. Herman, welcome back to High FM. Um, good morning, Sarah. Um, I, I only have one thing to say. I want one of those laptops. <laughs> I thought I you might say a that. a million bucks, that would probably make your coffee and do your job for you. That's amazing. Actually, I, I think that, that should be able to fly me to Cape Town, but be that as it may. Or just down to you. I mean, at that cost, my word. <laughs> um, Herman, what's interesting about this is we've heard so much about the toing and froing and the tensions re- arising from the Lady R event and our apparent pivot entirely essentially to Russia, towards Russia and, and secondarily to China as allies and the affront that this caused the Americans, and we don't yet know exactly what happened because the report on the matter from our little commission of inquiry is embargoed, and that's in the process of being fought. This, however, has dealt with our property rights. In other words, it's a purely policy issue, and the United States of American Congress is talking about it. What are they talking about? Well, they are talking about... Put simply, the fact that you can have property rights and democracy or expropriation without compensation. Mm. That's it. It's a binary. You can't have democracy without property rights. You can't have expropriation without compensation with democracy. Put simply, it's a question of if you are going to, and you being the ANC here, if you are going to undermine property rights... You are not just putting at stake the socioeconomic ambitions of millions and the trade relationships the world over that rely on property rights. You are putting at stake the very thing that you, the ANC, was supposed to care about, and that's democracy. If you have one thing going for you, Mr. ANC, it's that you delivered on your promise that you will seek a constitutional democracy. You delivered because the South African people uh, gave you that mandate, that opportunity. And now, to come with expropriation without compensation, that undermines that one positive contribution that you can claim on your history. And the sad thing is, in this game of political maneuvers and ideology, for many years, it was the amendment to the Constitution that was, you know, the, mm. the hot-button issue of property rights. And thank goodness that was defeated, and South Africans really have a lot to be proud of there for standing with organizations like the IRR, putting in those submissions, attending those public hearings, making your voice heard. But that was only one part of the expropriation battle. Mm. Currently, we are looking at an expropriation bill that will do de facto what the amendment to the Constitution Mm. would have done, and that is make it possible for the state 
for local government, for SOEs, my goodness, to expropriate property without compensation for essentially any number of reasons. Mm. And John James, a Republican from Michigan, uh, a red guy from a purple state, so a good middle-of-the-road sensible chap from the 10th District of Michigan, made this point in the House of Representatives Foreign Relations Committee to say to the ANC, you seem no longer to be the ANC of Mandela, be warned. Mm. You cannot undermine property rights and democracy. So it it seems to be that, um, you know, the United States would be looking at it from two points of view. The one is the principle um, on which much of uh, the United States' rela- trade relations with other co- countries operates, and that is that, you know, certain democratic f- norms exist. On the other hand, obviously, as a, as a potential investor, uh, and currently, um, together with the e- EU, South Africa's uh, biggest trading partners, if you don't have security of property rights, the, it is a very, I mean, despite our, all our other problems, including BEE and um, and cargo deployment, it is a real no-no for investment because obviously part of your investment is going to be about acquiring property if, you, if you're big enough. And if it's not secure, you go to, you go to Ukraine. You're better off, yeah, you're I, better off there. <laughs> I, something, uh, sort of an illustration I've used in the past is saying that it's, is, is building a parking garage in the, you know, CBD of Pretoria or Johannesburg, that's your business. You build a parking garage and you say to people, come and park your vehicles here at a fee. Mm-hmm. Put your assets here at a fee. The fee you pay me, I will ensure that I keep your stuff safe. Mm. And then over the entrance, you put up a massive banner saying, oh, by the way, when you come back from your appointment, I might have taken your car for myself. <laughs> That's the equivalent of trying to attract investment into a country whilst having a massive banner flying over your country saying, oh, by the way, any asset you put here, whether it's a factory, whether it's a home, whether it's a business, whether it's frankly a financial asset, whether it's uh, any form Mm. of asset, by the way, it might not be yours when you get back. Mm. That is unfundamentally idiotic trying to attract investment. And then we have communists in government like uh, the bluntest blade in Zimande in history to say, to have the goal, to have the last 20 years speak of an investment strike. No, it's <laughs> yes. not an investment strike. It is, it is looking at a situation, possibly losing your investment and saying, you know what, I'd rather go to Zambia mm. or I'd rather go to India. Mm. No, it's, it's fascinating. You see, you, you can't have a strike until you, unless you're already invested in something. If you don't come in to invest in the first place, you know, the, the, the accusation of striking cannot be leveled, cannot be leveled at you. But just to get from you, because we're talking about the fact that it's the, uh, that it's expropriation of, without compensation of property. When we're talking about property, what are we including? According to the expropriation bill, we are looking at immovable property and attachments to that. Mm-hmm. So that is, in terms of the expropriation bill, it's land and buildings, mm-hmm. essentially. And the reasons given by the expropriation bill currently, not a closed list of criteria, oh, okay. 
for expropriation, amongst them is immovable property acquired for speculative purposes. Mm. Now, mm. that's essentially saying you Anything. cannot buy immovable property with the possibility of having it escalate in value and using that to then earn an income. Mm. That gives this an excuse to take what's yours. Mm. But you know what, Sarah, the, the worrying thing is people should take a step back and understand that this expropriation without compensation started 20 years ago at least mm. with the state taking custodianship control of essentially all natural resources mm. in South Africa. It then rolled on to take control of labor policy, who you can hire, mm. that is also an expropriation of perhaps not property, but of resources, mm. assets. Then we look at pension prescribed assets of a few years ago when the government tried to expropriate pensions and savings. Thank goodness that failed. Mm. But now we're looking also at the NHI, mm. which is expropriation without compensation of medical savings. And what John James and the U.S. Congress is coming around to the fact of is twofold. Number one, the ANC is no longer the pragmatic, relatively centrist ANC of Mbeki and Mandela. This is a different creature with a different appetite. And secondly, if you are going to undermine property rights, not only are you shooting your economy in the face, you are shooting your democracy in the heart. Mm. And it is a very, very dangerous business. And it's good. It's good that the ANC, I, I, I try to investigate what the Lady R stands for, and the best I could find is, Lady, are you serious? The best thing we can see here is that the ANC on the national stage is losing its luster. Mm. And this is just another added component to the United States, whether you like it or not, the most powerful nation on the earth, saying, hold on, mm. chaps, this is not the game mm. that we are interested in playing. Um, you see, I mean, everyone, you know, the talk particularly flowing from the Lady R incident was the possibility or otherwise of still be, being given or renewed rights under, under the, uh, under AGOA. Um, but, you know, it's almost as if, you know, AGOA is, is, is the least of it because you know, some people say it doesn't matter if we have a go, we don't have a go. Others say, others say it's important, but it's not. A, it's not. A, it's not even first and foremost. It's not about that in the long run. It's about investment in general, and if we have resources that are attractive to be invested in, um, surely it's it's. You know, it's not just a goer that has to be looked at. It has to be the, 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 the fact of a relationship. And by mm. all accounts, you know, if you're looking, if Savik is looking to China for investment, um, I had a story recently where not only does the country not usually benefit to the extent <laughs> that it thinks it will, but also that, you know, it's been awarding contracts to China Unlawfully, they've not met the tender mm -hmm. requirements. So it's mm -hmm. it's not just a matter of you know the the, uh, the USA is putting on uh, obligations or requirements that are have a, you know a moral just a moral element in a in an immoral world. Um, mm -hmm. It's just that you're not necessarily going you're not going to get much out of the non democratic world, if anything. Yeah, and and it's something about foreign policy and global. Politics that people must understand 
is that it's a lot closer to Jane Austen than it is to Dan Brown in the sense that you have to, on the international stage, if you are a Bennett sister and you're from a relatively poor family, if you're South Africa, essentially, mm. you have to play the social game well to maintain the interest of the eligible bachelors. Yeah. You have to make sure that you keep yourself available but not discredit yourself mm -hmm. as a potential partner. That's a fine Jane Austen line to, to, to balance. Mm -hmm. And India and Zambia are countries, to my mind, currently doing this exceptionally well, where they are essentially caught flirting with both, both Mr. Darcy and Willoughby. They have transactions with Russia, China on the one side, but Europe and America on the other side. And, but they keep themselves with integrity to leverage advantage to their countries. Mm. And South Africa, if that is what the South African government has been trying to do, they have been, I mean, it's, it's, they Not have well. been essentially flirting and then just saying Mr. Darcy, oh, and then blurting out the F word. Mm. It is a problem if you are going to try and leverage these relationships, whether you care about them, a goer might be wonderful for our economy, it might not be, but you know what? It's an indicator of sentiment, of integrity, and if we get kicked out of that, the gossip is going mm. to go around town. Oh, South Africa, you mm. don't partner with mm -hmm. I mean, it's quite ironic. I mean, just, just to, to remind people that AGO is the Africa Growth and Opportunity Act, which gr grants certain preferential trade arrangements, um, including the, the need not to pay um, tariffs, to countries that are developing, but that you know are not in, uh, are not well, they're not developed and they're not uh, they're, they're not at that stage yet. And one of the problems is already South Africa is deemed by many people not to be not to qualify for a goer because it's essentially too developed, too well off. Yeah. And and we but we are still hosting the AGOA conference. I think it's late this month or next month. Uh, I think it's in November, and it, 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 we, we are in such a perilous position globally. We don't have a strong economy. We don't have the global footprint we used to have. I keep on thinking back to the fact that Nelson Mandela, um, during the la la later years of his presidency, could pick up the phone, phone Richard Branson, one of the wealthiest men in the world, and essentially ask him to come to South Africa and save between four and 8,000 jobs, mm to bail out the failing health and racket club gym franchise mm -hmm. and turn it into what we today know as Virgin Active. Mm. The fact that the ANC has gone from that level of access, of integrity, of trust, of political capital on the world stage, of being that eligible partner who you would do a favor for. Richard Branson didn't want to come and invest in South Africa, but the leader of our country and the ANC asked him to, and that was enough. Mm -hmm. And today we've got Lady R, we've got a an awful record on voting in the UN mm, for mm. every possible form of idiocy. And then we try to stay in a goer whilst not understanding that we are in, we are pincering ourselves mm. into a corner and it's a dangerous business and it's a self inflicted mm. dangerous business. The thing is, it's not, I mean, the, 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 the I mean, smooth as 
Ramaphosa's hosting of BRICS was, and presumably the GOA conference, um, we're extraordinarily clumsy. I mean, China, um, India is probably the, one of the best examples of, of sort of managing both sides of the um, political spectrum. Um, but here we have a GOA requiring as one of its first eligibility requirements that you mention um, is it is that as a sub-Saharan African country must have established or be making continual progress towards establishing a market-based economy that protects private property rights. Now, this is like, you know, middle finger to America. We're going in the opposite direction for whatever nefarious reasons we deem appropriate, and yet we still want to be in a goer, and we still expect you to not embark on on a, on a on an investment mm. strike, uh, to quote uh, Nzimandi. But could I perhaps quote what you said, uh, that specifically what John James said, the congressman uh, chairing the committee? He said, there is no country in the world that has remained democratic after removing its population's private property rights. And I remain concerned about the ANC's democratic drift away from constitutional rule. A, that's beautifully put, and B, mm. that's putting the, the middle finger back up to, to the ANC. But, mm. you know, we can cite various examples and, uh, probably the closest is our, our good friend, good and disastrous friend Venezuela. Mm. And, um, our great colleague, Terence Corrigan, a few years ago, did research on the correlation between individual freedom, democracy, and property rights. And of, I think, between 18 and 20 countries surveyed, only one was an outlier to the rule mm-hmm. that you can have prosperity without secure individual freedoms and property rights. You can look at Malawi. You can look at Venezuela. You can look at Zimbabwe. My goodness, even Botswana in recent years, mm. when the government starts making noises that it has the almost divine power to take what people have worked hard to earn. It becomes the biggest blackmail game in history. Mm. And it isn't enough to host summit smoothly. Cupcake of, excuse me, President Ramaphosa can keep doing that. And my goodness, he must be good at something. So, you know, let him keep doing that. But the problem is at the table of international diplomacy and trade, it's not a question of who hosted a smooth summit. It's a question of where will my investment have a return for me that is positive? Where can I feel safe and secure in the trade, in the business I want to manage? And South Africa is increasingly talking itself out of that role. Hashtag you don't have to be Jewish. Herman, just to sort of end off, I want to look at something you mentioned in your press release, and that's um, just a reminder that basically all these organs of state can expropriate property without a prior court order. And Mm. that essentially really leaves the expropriated owner from, A, coming up from behind and probably too financially stressed to even consider it. He's effectively been expropriated before any final decision has been taken by a court on his expropriation. Yes, and that is perhaps one of the most terrifying components of the expropriation bill as it currently stands. It pretends to give recourse, but that recourse can only follow a massive 
injustice or a massive mm. uh, bereavement of assets, resources, and socioeconomic security. That is a perversion of the role of the state to, number one, have legal certainty, that you are sure of what your legal status is, the Euskertum principle, it undermines that critically. And number two, we don't have to look at this as a theoretical question that might play out. We have seen it play out. The story of David Rakase, a farmer from Limpopo, who for almost 18 years struggled to have his property rights respected by the government, took 18 years because the government opposed him in every court they could. Mm. Mr. Rakase wanted to secure his property rights in accordance with a contract he had signed with the state. But for 18 years until the high court forced the state to give him his, to respect his property rights, Mr. Rakase had to put much of his life, much of his business on hold so that he could litigate for his fundamental rights. This abstraction of the ANC shooting first and taking aim later will be painful. And it's not a theoretical exercise. The ANC has gone down this road before. Mm. So this must be stopped. We can either have the fight now or have the very, very much more painful fight for decades to come mm. if the expropriation bill gets its hands on our economy and our democracy. Well, I, I can see, you know, you talked about it earlier, you talked about it's not just land, it's improvements on the land. Well, I can see land being expropriated and tractors and barns and buildings and all sorts of things going up in flames because I imagine people are going to say, if this is the law, if this is how I'm protected, bugger if you're going to have absolutely everything I own. Surely that is mm. entirely, a, 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 if, not a, if not a, well, I was going to say not a rational, but in fact it's a rational response because it's, it's coming from behind and saying, I'm a victim of, of, it's almost a form of legal corruption. Yes, and at the heart of an economy, the state's function is what are we incentivizing? And if you're incentivizing lawlessness, if you're incentivizing the destruction of property rights, you're incentivizing the destruction of assets, the destruction of resources, you are incentivizing exactly the wrong thing. Mm. A government at its best incentivizes value-add EWC, expropriation without compensation, this bill, this legislation incentivizes the destruction of value, mm -hmm. the exact opposite of economic prosperity and growth. And growth is the key. Growth is the way to get from to the South Africa we are today to the South Africa we want and can be. Quick technical question. The uh, representations have now been made to the National Council of Provinces. What follows next to reach the point where this actually becomes law? So um, there might be, hopefully, a bit of a ping-pong where um, the bill could be revised by the National Council of Provinces or sent back to the National Assembly with revisions. If the revisions are fundamental, then there will be a, a, a modicum of repeat of the process in the National Assembly. But because the ANC has such a stupendous majority in both, uh, or in, in both chambers of parliament, the likeliest next step is a vote in the NCOP 
up or down on the bill, if it is positive on the bill, if the bill goes through, it goes to the president's desk for signing. So there is still time, not a lot of time, but there is still time to oppose this, to build the case against this in the media, in the law. And I would urge individual citizens and businesses not to see this as an abstraction, something that happens far away. It is something near and dear to your family, your business, what you want as socioeconomic ambitions. Go to the IRR's website, sign that petition. We use it to lobby. We use it to influence. We get into the corridors of power to make the argument. I, we can't promise you that the argument will be successful, but we can promise you that if the argument isn't made, the battle yeah. will be lost. Yeah. On that sobering, annoying, and frightening note, Herman, thank you very much for coming through to us and telling us where we stand and more particularly that the USA is paying attention. Thank you, Sarah. A pleasure as ever.